Would you please give the warmest of welcomes to our dear sister, Rosemary? You know, I'm, I'm glad you, you stood because it's right um, for us to honor our sister in this way. Um, she was up here and, you know, crying because of your heart for the people that you're talking about in the video. And I'm praying uh, as we hear from her that you guys will get connected not only to her heart, but the people that she cares for. And uh, we're stepping out of the Gospel of Mark in, the, in our series, and we are stepping into this month, our global Christmas, which is the light of the world. And Rosemary represents a representation in this area where it is so dark. Uh, I was reading on the news the other day where they're, they're talking about in Sudan, they're talking about genocide, and they're talking about um, where women cannot go out uh, into places alone uh, for fear of being, uh, being raped. And so she represents a light that goes into the dark places. And when light is found in dark places, what happens to the darkness? It, it cannot exist in the same place. And so we're going to hear from her this morning. And so I uh, am longing, uh, as one of your pastors, for us not only just to be um, informed or aware of something that's happening around the world, but for us that we can actually tangibly uh, see God at work there, and we can be part of that work. So this is, this is something that we're going to be talking about today. And so um, you will hear from God uh, today. It will just be in a different way. We normally open up the scriptures and talk and, and exposit them and, and give you things. You're, you're going to hear uh, God working in and through Rosemary. And so our prayer is that you would hear something very specifically um, for you this morning, if you haven't already. So... Um, so, Rosemary, welcome. Uh, she's had a busy week here, uh, and I asked her uh, what she's been doing. She said she's been eating a lot, and, uh, and so um, that's been part of it. But she's had a lot of meetings, and so we're, I'm hoping that, you know, you're just your strength. But would you please, um, for, for a lot of uh, the people here, this is the first time getting to know you, would you just share your story, a little about your, uh, your, your dear family, and then um, how you came to faith? Um, I'm a mother of... Four grown girls, Prudence, Amanda, Vanessa, and Valerie. And they are now grown and ready to get married. One of them got married in July this year. And another one is getting married this month on the 27th. And hopefully we'll have another two weddings next year. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I came to Christ when I was 15 years old. And I was led to Christ by an auntie of mine after a lot of tragedy in our family. Mm-hmm. And all I remember, she asked us, if you are the next one to die, are you ready? And it was out of that fear that I gave my life to Christ. And along the way, when I went to high school, I lost part of that. and just did what every teenager does 
when they're in high school, in a boarding school, you want to do what the other girls are doing. So I did that, but in the process of all that, I finished school and got married. And it was immediately I got married that my pastors led me back to the Lord. And during that period, things were not easy, things were tough. I was in a relationship of marriage with a husband who was a drunkard, uh, unfaithful, mm. and violent to me and the girls. So eventually we left. But through it all, God taught me how to follow him, how to hold on to him. And through the pain, I have learned to trust him. Mm. And just even hearing her story, there, you know, it's, God has prepared her for where, where you are now in this incredible, you're speaking to women uh, who have lost husbands or in hard situations. And we were talking, we were talking this week and, um, and, and the scripture came to mind that God gives us comfort. The God of all comfort gives us comfort so we can extend comfort to those in their time of hurt. And that's what she's doing. And her, her path has not been easy, um, but you are giving glory to Christ. Um, tell us, how, how did you come to start doing the work with the people um, now in Uganda, but you started off uh, with, with in Sudan. So how did you begin um, that work? How did you start being involved in that? Um, I started working with South Sudanese in 1998, and I remember my first trip to South Sudan. I got off that small plane into a place called Vietnam where fellowship still works mm -hmm. with the people on the ground. And I saw men, women, and children on the ground, on the runway, on the airstrip, just lying down. They were hungry, they were sick. And all I could see was desperation, especially in the lives of the children. Their eyes were filled with flies. Their mouths, their nose, Everywhere on the face was full of, was covered with flies. Mm -hmm. And I remember whispering a few words to God that time and told God, if you have brought me here to see this, because you will enable me do something about it, here I am. And since then, mm -hmm. my heart remained in the lives of the people of South Sudan. And so when fighting broke out in 2013, December, we made a point as an organization to follow them where they are, because mm. I remember Jesus went where the people were. Mm. And when I went and saw what was happening, it was heartbreaking. Mm. Um, the first thing I saw were children <laughs> calling out my name. I did not know that in a refugee camp there would be people who knew me, but to my surprise, there were so many people. We ministered to while we were in South Sudan that were in this refugee camp and could recognize me. Hmm. That is what broke my heart. And I said, we can still do something for them even in the refugee camp. And that's why we are there. And it took me back to the point where my children and I walked away from a home we loved most. Mm. 
It was comfortable. But God spoke to me and said, Rosemary, get out of here because things are not going to change. I left everything and I envisioned those people of South Sudan mm. having walked away with nothing. Mm. And I knew God had prepared me for that, that I would share in their pain. And that's why I'm there. Mm. After talking with you this week, um, I was reading in Matthew, and for the first time, y'all, you know, God just led me, and he's just like, Jesus was a refugee. And I was thinking about it, it's so true. He and his family had to leave their home because of a, a tyrant that was going to kill. And Jesus is this refugee that went, uh, that went to Africa. And I was just thinking about that, and I was just like, you are ministering to Jesus in some very tangible uh, ways. Um, and, and how we, should, we, we need to be involved in that work. You're taking care of literal uh, orphans and, and as people have, have lost um, uh, fathers and mothers and, and, and those type of things. And, and the journey, when you're sharing about the journey just to get to the refugee camp, uh, many were, were dying of starvation. Um, would you paint a picture for us what life is like in the refugee camp? And this is just one of the camps that you work with. There's many, yeah. Yes. Um, refugee life is one of the worst one could lead. They literally have nothing. They arrived there with nothing. And what gives me hope is that as much as they arrived with nothing, they are happily saying, we want to learn more about God. Mm -hmm. They arrived and lived without shelter. They arrived and lived without food until the UN was able to come and give them food. Mm -hmm. Because the only shelter they had was a piece of cloth tied on four sticks that had been put in the ground. Mm -hmm. That at night, that's where their shelter was. But to my amazement, there, were, there are these men and women who say they want to learn on how to make peace with one another. And that is why maybe you've seen in the video, maybe there are men and women learning how to make peace, these are men and women from two warring tribes, the Dinka and the Nuer. Mm -hmm. They have not sat back and said, life is so desperate, there's nothing we can do. They are learning how to live with one another as brother and sister. This is not something that has happened in the past, but there are these two large tribes of South Sudan that have fought over the decades. But in the refugee camp, they have made a decision that we can sit together and learn. Mm -hmm. We can sit together and eat. We can sit together and embrace one another. This is what they are doing. And so that you know you have been part of this. Since last year, Fellowship has given us funds to train these men and women who want to make peace even in the refugee camp, which is so difficult 
that they would pass this message mm. to their congregations, to their communities, and when they eventually go back to South Sudan, that is the message they want to take. Tell, specifically, tell the story of, of Pastor Simon, because this is such a great story of giving, giving us an example of this type of work where you had two warring tribes, um, and, and they, can't, they couldn't exist, and now they're in the refugee camp. They're at a place of desperation, and there's one of the pastors who's working in the refugee camp came up to you, and it started this work. So tell us, tell us a little bit about Pastor Simon. In February 2014, when I first visited a Jumani refugee camp, I went to the prime minister's office and told them why I was there. Mm -hmm. And because we told them we were a Christian organization, they pointed us to this refugee camp where I was taken. And the first man I met there was Pastor Simon, who is a South Sudanese pastor. And he sat with me and told me, Rosemary, we are happy to have you in this camp. One of the things we would like is to make peace with our newer brothers and sisters. So we would like you to help us. Pastor Simon was in the process of building a church for his congregation. Before that, they were meeting under a tree just next to where we were appointed to build the school. And I remember telling Pastor Simon, these are your words. You are a dinka. I would like to hear from Anwar to saying the same thing for me to believe that what mm. you are telling me is true. Mm -hmm. But I have to leave to go back to Nairobi. And on my next trip, I would like to meet you with some of the leaders from your church and some of the leaders from the Dinka church that we can sit together and agree on the way forward. And for sure, when I went back, these men and women came and we sat in a circle and each one of them told me, yes, what Simon told you is true. Hmm. We want to be taught how to make peace and reconcile, to know how to live with one another and one of the things they told me was that we have realized that the Dinka and the Nuer were twins of the same mother and father, but we have grown so big that we think we are different tribes and yet we were children of the same father and mother. Mm. That was mind-blowing. And they said they want to go back and live as brothers and sisters. And this is what led us to start the training of trauma healing and peace building for these two tribes. And so we have 10 from the Dinka and 10 from the Nuer who graduated out of this class in November, just this past November. Mm. And the beauty is when they go out, we ask them to go and walk with, with one other person. Each one of the 20 must walk with, with one other person when they go to the community. And in September this year, they brought the men and women they have worked with. And these mm. other 20 were giving testimonies as to how they have been helped mm. 
to live a better life, to let go some of the things they held on that made them hate their brothers and sisters. And so our hope is that in 2017, these 20 who are discipled, who are mentored by these 20 men who have already gone through the training, will be the ones we shall bring in so that we duplicate the number of those who can go out to reach out to others that South Sudan will be a godly nation mm. of godly leaders. Mm. And this is significant, what she's saying. I want, I want to explain a few things in this. This is where your giving is truly making an impact, okay? So what she's talking about here is training pastors and leaders uh, to go back and teach others how to deal with the trauma that they've seen and also how to handle reconciliation with one another. So let me paint a picture for you. This is, these are people who have seen their families be killed by another tribe, and now they're in the refugee camp living uh, together. And the, it's only the power of the gospel that could allow them to say, I forgive you, uh, and sometimes quite literally the person who caused it to happen. Uh, I forgive you, and I want to I reconcile. You, that doesn't happen. This is a supernatural work of God that, is, that is, has taken place. And so we uh, are, are able to come alongside and help Rosemary and her organization train these, these pastors and these leaders to handle, how do, how do we handle reconciliation? How do we handle trauma of what these people have experienced? And then for them to go back. This is truly the hope uh, for Sudan, for, for North and South Sudan. This is the hope that they would be able to, it would spread in, into those places. So on the video, Rosemary, you're not only doing that, which is significant, um, but in the video, you're, you, uh, tell us about the education. So we, we, uh, last year, our funds helped uh, build, build a classroom, or is it a couple of classrooms? Yeah, 2014. Um, but we, but we want to build more. Why do we want to build more? This is really, this is really important for, for us to understand. Uh, like you saw, the two classrooms where we have 250 kids are so crowded. And in addition to that, when these children graduate from kindergarten, they are supposed to go to another school so that they start grade one. Mm -hmm. This other school, which is owned by the government of Uganda, is about four miles away from where they live. And you can see the ages. The ages are between four and seven. A seven-year-old can hardly walk four miles to school and another four miles back. That mm. is eight miles in total. So in the process, and because they also don't eat enough, because of the lack of food, they drop out of school. So that means the only education we have availed to them is kindergarten education. That doesn't mean a lot. It doesn't change a lot in terms of a nation that we want transformation to mm -hmm. come. So it is our hope and prayer that we can, God would avail more money for us to put up another block of two classrooms that costs 24000 to have these children graduate into this classrooms that we can also retain them because when they go out there in another school we do not know what they are being taught mm. it may go out of what we intended for them mm. that we will teach them and bring them 
up as godly men and women. Mm -hmm. And that's why we would love to retain them. So those extra classrooms would be very helpful for mm -hmm. us to achieve that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Rosemary, there's, when I was meeting with you, one of the things that I was just thinking through, and it's, it's around suffering. You've seen so much suffering. You've been um, personally you've experienced pain and suffering. And we were talking about how God doesn't waste pain. And he hasn't in your life, and he hasn't in the lives of people that you've worked with. Um, and I was thinking about you all when I was meeting with uh, Rosemary. And, and a lot of you have experienced loss of family members, or you've gone through uh, cancer, or you've experienced suffering that's very similar uh, to Rosemary. And I just wanted her just to speak to y'all just about what would you say to us about how to walk in suffering, about how to remember who God is in the midst of, of suffering. Would you, would you speak uh, to us as a, as a church here? For me, God has used suffering to make me who I am and just to share in the suffering other people are going through. Suffering is not just one type. There are different ways we go through pain. Mm -hmm. And I just want to assure you this morning, maybe you are going through pain of a child who you think you have prayed for for so long and there is no change, there is no transformation. There is hope. It, God is building a testimony through you mm -hmm. that you would look back and say, for sure, God walked with me through this pain when he'll have taken you through it and you'll be on the other side. You may be going through a relationship pain like I did, and you have no idea why God has allowed that to happen to you. God allows, when you are his child, God pursues you. And he pursues us in different ways. He pursued me in such a way that he brought me to the place where I am to share in the pain of this South Sudanese living in a refugee camp. I don't know how he is coining you to support or help somebody else who will be going through pain. It is for, not for nothing. When you pray, when you cry, sometimes God will tell you, get up and go. Mm. My advice to each one of us is just go. Because there are times I lingered around, but he still made me go. When God is telling you, let go this, he knows why he's asking you to let go. But many times, because we are human, we hold on. And the more we hold on, the more pain we feel. But God just makes us let go. Mm. A time comes when he makes us go. I held on. You remember the story of Jonah. Jonah was asked to go. He actually lingered. I lingered like Jonah for a long time. Mm. But he made me go. God is telling us this morning, when he asks you to drop something that you love so much, something that you cherish, a place that you don't want to leave and go to another place that you may not know. He is saying, just go. Just go. Just let go. Some of those things that we hold on are hindering us from receiving what God has for us. 
at times I regretted why I held on for so long. Because I know if I had stayed into that marriage that was so painful, I would not be helping the South Sudanese in that refugee camp. Mm. But God had released me to go. And when I said, here I am, I will go. The many things he has done through me, I cannot tell it all. Mm. I would say, just go. Mm. Just let go. And he will be pleased and use you the way he created you to be used of him. Mm. Yeah, your story isn't done. Like if you're experiencing pain and suffering, your story is not done. Um, there's a work that he's doing that you cannot see um, that he is doing. Thank you for that encouragement. For us, I want all of us to be able to use the resources that are available to um, learn more about Rosemary, the work that she's doing, and, and our other global partners. And so you can go on, on the website. Um, you can uh, have the global brochure. I want to encourage you uh, to do that so you can actually begin praying for how can we make this uh, just a regular rhythm where you and your family are praying for our global partners, that it will expand your worldview, but it will expand what God is doing um, it will make it about his glory and for the good of others. And so that's why we highlight this morning. We, we, I'm so thankful that Rosemary was able to be here with us. Um, there's so much more we could learn and, uh, and, and say that she could speak to. But I wanted uh, just to give us a minute, just, to, just where you are, just to pray, God, in light of what I have heard this morning, how are you asking me and my family to respond? Um, we, many of us uh, will not have a chance to go, but all of us can give. Um, and so you uh, and your family to be able to talk through what can we, less under our tree, more for the world, what can we um, participate in, in this work that you're doing around the world through our global partners? What, how, how, do you, how are you calling us to respond, to participate in this work? And how can we commit to pray? We can all do those two things. And so I want to just give you a minute just to, to think and, and to pray with God about what, how you are going to respond to this message that we, um, that we heard. And, and maybe it's something very specific um, in, in what she said that, that God is just kind of nudging you to, to think through and to respond to. Let's just give a minute just to pray through that. As we close uh, this morning, I want to have you guys do something with me. I want you to, if, if you would, extend your hand. We, we do this as a sign of, of blessing and praying for somebody. And I want you to, to come alongside and, uh, and pray with, for Rosemary in the work that she's doing. Would you pray with me and extend your hands?
Father, I am so grateful for my sister. And what a heart you've given her uh, for these people. How you've walked with her in her pain and suffering. How you've proven yourself faithful. Where there was times where she probably did not see hope. You did not waste that pain. You redeemed it and you have restored and you have moved her to a place where her firm foundation, her strength, her refuge is in you. And in those that she comes in contact with, she touches those lives because you have touched her life. God, I am thankful for her and others who are working in these areas where it seems so dark and it seems so hopeless. Would you strengthen and encourage and give her wisdom in what work to do and how to do the work that it would be for your glory and God that you would begin to change hearts, hearts of hatred, hearts that are, are hardened, hearts that are closed off to you, closed off to forgiveness, closed off to um, there's just so much pain and there's just so much where they could be entitled and justified to it. But God, only you in a supernatural work of your Holy Spirit can change their heart. And so we pray for that to begin to happen. That the, the work of reconciliation and, and trauma ministry, that that would bear fruit of redemption. That it would begin to change a nation. And when the nation begins to change, we will very clearly be able to look back and see that it is a work of your hand. Not just a piece of ceasefire, but a work of the gospel that others may become out of this tragedy and out of this horrific experience of the evil that has happened, that your gospel would be more beautiful, that the good news of Jesus, this Emmanuel, this refugee who came to save the lost, would be the hope of all of the people. Would you empower Rosemary and her dear friends that are working there? Would you call us to live differently here so that things may be different there? Would you call us to respond to this work that we get to be part of for your glory and for others' good and for our good? In your name, amen. Would you stand? I want to. I want to close us as this morning. I, this week, I was reading in Psalm sixty-seven. I just want to read this as just a prayer of, of benediction for us of why we go, of why we give. God has blessed us to be a blessing to the world. It's so clear in Psalm sixty-seven. May God be gracious to us and bless us, and make His face shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, that your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the people praise you. The earth has yielded its increase, God. Our God shall bless us. And God shall bless us so that all the ends of the earth will know him and fear him. And that is our hope and our prayer in this global season that we are 
that we are going to ask, how can we be part of the work that God is doing around the world tangibly? Would you go in peace with God? Amen. Amen.